how is it working on two games at the same time? It's a nightmare. <laughs> it's the shortest answer I can <laughs> I can tell. Welcome to Open Indie episode number 15. Today we're going to talk about the Spanish indie studio, The Abnormals Team. And they're currently working on two games. In one of them, you play with two roommates who never see each other in person. My guest today, Iñaki, is hopefully uh, explaining all about that. Uh, sure. Uh, hello. Uh, thanks for, for having me. So I'm the co-founder and creative director at Abnormals Team. Uh, we are, um, as you mentioned, uh, uh, an indie studio from Spain, based in Barcelona. And yeah, happy to provide uh, more insight and, and all the information um, uh, that you need uh, or, or might be interesting for your audience about, about Frank and Drake. So yeah, Frank and Drake is one of the games you're currently working on, a point-and-click story adventure. Could you maybe describe a scene from the game? Maybe your favorite one? Sure. When it comes to defining the game, it's uh, a little uh, difficult um, because it, it, definitely, it definitely has elements uh, of a point-and-click um, genre and, and it's an adventure in general, although it doesn't have other typical elements of a point-and-click as uh, inventory or an open world where, to, where you can um, walk around um, with freedom. So it's more of a cinematic experience um, where you have um, different interactions uh, highlighted or not, depending on the path uh, that you take during the, this journey uh, with each character. Uh, and then uh, different uh, small puzzles, small interactions uh, come to place. No? Um, so one, one of my favorite scenes is it takes place in, um, in an old um, cinema. Uh, one of the characters goes to, to the movies, but not actually to see, to, to watch a movie, but to go um, backstage and to see the, the old premises, the, the, the rooms that are, that are abandoned uh, with old with, um, stuff and, and all machinery and all that stuff. And there's a, a small interaction where you use um, a fractional scope, uh, which was kind of an old device to do to the animation. And we, when you need to rearrange frames so the circular movement provides uh, a smooth animation without any disruption. Uh, and that, um, that is probably one of my favorite uh, interactions that happens uh, quite early in the game, in, in the first day. Uh, and yeah, in, in general, uh, again, it's, it, 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 it might look a point and click um, because of the, of, the, of the mouse and because we, have, we are in a, within the adventure um, field, no? Uh, but it, it, we, we want to define it more as a, as a cinematic experience or more just a, just an adventure. Um, and the way we, we work is we try to bring some unique combinations of gameplay elements when we develop a game. And that, that happens to us because we start always with, with the premise uh, and then we try to build the game around the premise instead of just thinking about the gameplay first and then just trying to dress it up with with a story, let's say. Uh, I'm not saying it's the best way to do it, it's just how we do it because of our personnel and, and we start thinking about a compelling story or a compelling character or something that can be uh, different. Uh, and then we try to find the best elements here and there to, to build the game uh, around that. I played the demo of Frank and Drake during Gamescom this year. Um, you had like this demo online. I was really drawn into the story, although I couldn't quite figure out where it will lead me. And uh, you just 
describe the story of your game as a tale about two roommates with nothing in common but a personal quest for the truth. Without spoiling too much, could you tell us a bit about the story and about that quest for the truth? Yeah, so it's difficult <laughs> without spoiling. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah we, uh, the, the way it works is that we have uh, these two characters that they need to have um, their own personal goals, so to speak, within this adventure. The adventure is divided in seven days of narrative, um, and they, they have to, to, to have their own, their own goals. No? Uh, and we will realize soon that um, one of the characters, Frank, in this case, is having some health issues and is in some ways degrading himself uh, in an accelerated way. So uh, he needs to understand what's going on with his, with his body and with his um, loss of memory, no? uh, because he doesn't remember um, who he is. Uh, and, and with Drake, again, with the same day happens something that triggers uh, different behaviors, different um, appearances, uh, and um, and memories uh, in both characters. So they have their own like personal um, quest uh, to find more about themselves, basically, because it's a, a journey to, to to their own past and to their ancestors and and why they are different. Because at the end of the day, this game is about two extraordinary characters that are not entirely human, trying to blend in a, in a very mundane, very uh, pedestrian world. Um, not entirely human. Uh-huh. Not entirely human, no. <laughs> they, are, they, they are not, and, and that's uh, something uh, we, we often have to, like, to clarify. They, they are not the monster of Frankenstein and, and Dracula. They are not modern versions of these exact characters, but uh, we take from the classics, we take some personal traits, they, they are kind of a, like a symbolic alter egos uh, in some way. So they have personal traits of these, uh, of these myths, no? these, of these uh, classic characters, but they are not exactly modern adaptations of, of those. No? Uh, and, 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 and then a little bit about the, the pure relationship. No? They have their own, their own quest again, but uh, what, what comes to, to the mix is that they um, know about each other's existence. Uh, so they can have to develop this relationship without having personal touch um, through the sticky notes that they leave to each other, uh, and that uh, can alter a little bit uh, the path or, or the or the pace uh, of their quests. Uh, and they can be more supportive to each other. They can work more in a more isolated way, and that's a way also to um, generate more um, diversity in the gameplay and the possible outcomes for the player. Uh, so it embraces uh, reruns, no, or replay the game and, and change your choices. So, so what happens if if Drake works more on his own and Frank works more on his, on his own? What happens uh, eventually at the end? No? Oh, yeah, I see you. And also in the demo, I saw you play Frank during the day and Drake at night, right? One one of the things that we that we instantly uh, thought and 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 Anna, our writer, was very very keen on that aspect of the premise is that um, we could create a lot of tension with uh, two protagonists um, away from each other um, that could never meet, even even though their their past and their quests are super intricate and super related and and they are very linked, uh, and every single character in the game and and every single Thing that happens is connected, um, and um, that creates a lot of tension because um, you 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 need to to wait. Uh, and 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 one of the things is that the the degrading aspect of Frank and and obviously being a, a at least half vampire, uh, the problem with the sun 
it was very um, interesting to have the same exact locations the, in the city within the own apartment and the building and, and have two different versions of it. No, at the end of the day, it's the same city, the same environments, but uh, different worlds, uh, just being daylight or, or sunlight or, or nighttime. No? Uh, and, and that was very, um, we, 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 we're not sure about if the term is correct, like turn-based narrative, but eventually you played both characters sequentially, you know, you play first the day and then you, um, recap your day in your journal. And eventually from, from that, um, recollection of your day, you decide what's going to be your sticky note to the other character. No, what's the, what's the message you want to convey and share with the other character? And that's. The, that little piece of information is what the other character starts from, uh, from, from this insight. And, and then it changes my entire day, maybe, or, or maybe it offers me another uh, choice uh, available from my own quest. And I can decide whether to uh, change or not my initial idea based on the, the note from the other, from my roommate no? or my housemate. So you influence the storyline. Exactly, exactly. Not, not in, a, in a huge way, because otherwise it will be super complicated not to, to handle everything narratively speaking. But, but yeah, the, the relationship that they have, they offer uh, alternative choices to their predefined, uh, let's say, um, path um, and the decision tree. And also the, the overall um, relationship, the overall bond that they can establish or uh, not establish is also uh, very uh, critical, especially towards the, the end of the game in the resolution. Okay, because <laughs> um, you said uh, that, um, well, my question was, why did you call them Frank and Drake? Um, is it then because Frankenstein and Dracula? Because you said it's actually not so much about these um, these novels. Yeah, it's, it's it's a funny story because at the very beginning, we, we thought about the name right away. Um, then obviously the story kept evolving over, over time. Um, and then you reach a point where you cannot name the characters differently because you are just so used to to to, the, to, to those names and 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 they are like kind of alive for you uh so we we, we need to 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 keep it going and and eventually when the when the the user no um just if you say it like you say frank and drake it, it, it immediately triggers in your head uh, the recollection of frankenstein and, and dracula which is not bad at all because at the end of the day they have um, similar um, aspects of these characters. Uh, so yeah, uh, we, we we think it's uh, it's it's interesting enough just to keep those names. Although again, they are not um, these uh, modern adaptations, no, of these characters. And it happens with many many movies and and, and books today. It's like if you play uh, like uh, Ex Machina and, and all these movies that have. Um, they use the Frankenstein monster, for instance, but in a different way, no. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's another another take that we that, that we used to. Uh, it's like playing God, um, ultimately, no. It's playing God, and 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 it's what happens, especially with the uh, with the antagonist of this entire story, because we have both Frank and Drake, but we have also a very important character um, that's basically behind everything uh, and and that is arranging or, or, or making them face each other um, and and all these ingredients that we take from 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 the novels from Shelley and from Stoker all these elements uh, kind of convey into into this um, 
god versus human um, like battle no? or fight and, and being immortal uh, and, and representing different identities um, and, and all that stuff comes to comes together, hopefully in a, in a, in a good way. When I was playing this game, uh, I thought that the puzzles in the game are really, really hard. Uh, so in the demo, there was one where you gotta repair your bike and turn the screws the right way or something. I sat there for ages in Yaki, to be honest. Maybe because I never repair bikes. I don't know. Maybe it's easier for someone who does in real life. No, no. It, it, this this one is, is a tough one. It's a tough one, and, and it is one. I this one and the and uh, another one with the with the hobo symbols. These two have been like um, changed uh, and 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 improved uh, recently because they were too cryptic. We don't want any puzzle to be too difficult so it becomes a stopper in the narrative at the same time we need to make interactions that are interesting enough so they don't last like 10 seconds like they don't they have a little bit of juice so you because it, it takes a lot of time and and art and coding and designing interactions so we want the users hopefully to to be able to enjoy a little a little bit of time with interaction but um there shouldn't be any any stopper you also do want a challenge Yeah, exactly. That, that's the tricky, no? Balance always between frustration and challenge, and, and it's always a difficult spot to nail. Um, but but uh, yeah, there's also other other aspects in the game that are purely purely mini games. They are open. You can leave. Uh, they they are not mandatory to progress in the narrative, uh, and they are more like a like a side fun uh, element, uh, maybe related to eventually to achievements. Uh, and to like complementary information, but not not uh, attached to the core of the narrative. Uh, but the the ones that are mandatory, the ones that you have to do to progress in the narrative, those ones need to be really um, feasible or doable for for most of the users. No, um, so that's something that that's one of the aspects that with our previous game with with Stay we we struggle with because we made. Um, Puzzles too cryptic, uh, and one popular opinion and feedback was the puzzles were uh, again moving away from the narrative and from the tension users uh, in a in a frustrating way. Uh, so that's one thing that we want to be sure that uh, the final version we have uh, a, a better uh, difficulty approach uh, in the puzzles. What feedback did you get on the bike puzzle then in Frank and Drake? Did other people also struggle like me? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of, of course. Don't don't feel bad. Okay. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> okay. No, no, it's it's a it's a and and sometimes you know with with um, very small changes there you can have like big differences, no? In feedback and just adjusting a little bit something, uh, it makes a huge dramatic change, and and that's uh, what we are working towards uh, to make these little adjustments and tweaks. Uh, so the experience is like smooth, uh, and no one gets frustrated. And you, the bike indeed originally was a mandatory interaction. At the moment, it, it's just optional. Um, but uh, it's an optional interaction that you could or you should enjoy uh, because when you complete the, the puzzle, it, it's it's fun to pedal uh, just to unveil the the narrative. Uh, so it should be something like in more rewarding for the user and and that you should enjoy and and. And hopefully with the final version, you'll see <laughs> the, the new bicycle interaction and you will enjoy it. <laughs> Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. 
So you are the uh, co-founder of um, the Abnormals team, but also the art guy, as you describe yourself. Uh, the art style of Frank and Drake is really something special, I think. Um, on Steam, it says it's traditional 2D art combined with frame-by-frame -frame animations overlaying real footage. Could you explain that for amateurs? Uh, sure. Uh, is uh, this is a, a, a process called rotoscoping, um, which is very very old in animation. Um, if we think about um, Disney movies like Snow White or just very very old movies, they use rotoscope as well to um, replicate uh, human movements. Um, the way that they did it in the past is that, for instance, they recorded a, a, a woman or a girl dancing. Uh, but then it was too human, so different animators were um, drawing. The first animator uh, was drawing over real footage of the woman, but the second animator was drawing over the, the drawings of the first animator, and the third animator was drawing over the drawings of the second animator. So it was over, over a few passes, it was getting less and less human and, and, and more slice no? or cartoonish. Uh, but the essence of the movement was there because it was very difficult to um, create from scratch certain um, twists and turns and, and all that stuff. No? So that, that has been there forever, um, but we are huge fans of more recent examples of rotoscoping. Rotoscoping has been in video games, by the way, uh, in, in pixel art games of the 80s and the 90s as well. But more recently, we had uh, examples in, in, in movies like Scanner Darkly, uh, well, it was um, almost 15 years ago, I think. Uh, it's kind of ugly, but others like uh, Loving Vincent, about Vincent Van Gogh, or even uh, another show in Amazon Prime called Undone. All these movies use this technique, which is recording footage of, of actors, uh, and then instead of applying a filter in a more automat uh, automatic way, uh, you start, you draw frame by frame, um, which is obviously a tedious work, but it, it generates a different look in, in the images. In the case of Loving Vincent, for instance, it's even further uh, in terms of complexity because they were painting, uh, uh, like an impressionist painting uh, for every single frame, uh, like organically, not digitally, uh, with, with oil and everything. So uh, it, it's, it's amazing to, to see how many uh, painters uh, work in, the, in this project. Now for us, obviously, it's uh, in a much, much, much lower scale, but we do have um, a few artists. Uh, at the moment, we have three, uh, in between two and three artists um, doing this, doing grabbing uh, clips of, um, of footage uh, that we have recorded with, with main actors. And then we decide the, the sequence and they, they go frame by frame. Obviously, they need to be really short clips uh, to make it uh, doable. Um, but yeah, it's it's you need to decide the amount of detail that you want to apply to each frame because you need to be like consistent. Uh, and, and then it's just a matter of replicating and being again uh, uh, persistent with your with your accuracy and, and just drawing over the footage. Uh, and and the final result is is what they call the the uncanny valley. No, it's uh, a bit disturbing because it looks real uh, and mo way, way more real than a, than a 2D animation done from scratch, but doesn't look quite real. Uh, and the, this Uncanny Valley for us, it, it was a justified decision for, for, for two reasons. Uh, one, because we didn't have um, animators in the team, so we couldn't make the game in, in, in 3D. We didn't have 3D modelers. We didn't have 2D animation, anima animators with the skill set to create animations from scratch. 
but we did have concept artists and artists that could draw our footage. And also, and more importantly, I believe, uh, because of the narrative. Uh, in this case, again, we have these two characters that are extraordinary, that they are not real. They are not exactly like the world they navigate. Uh, so making a distinction between the characters uh, and, and the backgrounds and the locations and the rest of the world uh, was something that uh, was reinforcing, uh, is reinforcing the, this difference, no? Uh, and, and it makes them a, a bit even more extraordinary or, or less ordinary than the rest of the world. Um, so that's the reason we only have rotoscope uh, in, in Frank and Drake, but the rest of the characters, if they appear eventually, uh, the locations, the apartment, everything uh, is in 2D art. So that's kind of the mixture that we, that we have. And last point is that uh, also the, this rotoscoping effect uh, help us to um, clearly separate the interactive elements from background uh, using this uh, this vibration technique. Um, if you if we have, for instance, a door that is uh, interactive, we just um, redraw the door like three or four times, uh, and then we put that in loop, so it kind of wobbles a little bit, uh, and that helps us to um, clearly distinguish the different interactive elements of a scene. So it's useful for, for the narrative and for Frank and Drake, and it's useful as well for gameplay purposes to clearly see um, the, the, the interactive elements of a, of a scene. Yeah, sounds really interesting. Uh, with what other games can Frank and Drake be compared with? Like what players will enjoy it? Well, uh, it's a, I, I guess, I guess the, the, the right answer would be, um, or, or the best approach would be what games inspired us to make such uh, a project, no? Uh, I would say, for instance, games like uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, for instance, a game that it's narrative, that it's, it's different, it's unexpected. Um, it's not a typical, again, a typical adventure game that you know the rules, you know the rules of a point and click game, and you know what to expect. Uh, and what we like is the unexpected. Uh, we like to, the user not to anticipate anything, and you don't know if you're going to have an interaction with a coffee grinder or if you're going to have a crossword or if you're going to have to do the, the bicycle or, or whatever the case may be. No? And, and if you have more cinematic sequence afterwards and if you have like a super key decision to make, uh, which is not the case of a, of a point and click, no? for instance. So um, this kind of um, unexpected territory and play with expectations uh, and, and just have this surprise factor for us is very important. We uh, as a studio, uh, yeah, in, in a more um, generic way uh, and talking more about uh, projects and, and less about uh, particularly about Frank and Drake, we try to um, to make things as as they can stand out as much as possible, even though if they are not perfect, uh, because we know we have uh, limited capacity, you know, and, and we cannot provide excellence. So that's why we don't want to make the next platformer or the next uh, point and click or the next, uh, whichever the case is. Uh, and we rather try to uh, invest in innovation, in, in solid storytelling, in different premises, make some things that are out of the box and can be worth talking about or worth writing about. Um, and we uh, assume that when you try to break some boundaries and we try to do something different, it, it comes with it that you will make flaws and you will make mistakes. Hopefully, you will, we will do as less mistakes as possible, no? uh, and, and not a lot of them. But we, we, we assume that we want to make like honest uh, games. Um, they might be raw sometimes, but we want to make them 
um, moving and, and different and and we are okay with the with experimenting uh, even though if that becomes or or, or triggers uh, like a negative review or or, or, or or something that is not uh, as, as successful as something that is more predictable no? or, or less uh, risky in, in some ways. Yeah, I think it's great because um, uh, I think Frank and Drake is definitely something different and um, keep going. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what things do you still need to work on in the game? Of course, um, you said to me earlier that uh, release is planned uh, in spring 2022 and um, what things are still um, need some work. Well, um, the, the, there's still a lot of things to do um, or to be done. Uh, it, this works almost as a, as, as a movie in the sense that we have um, done scenes that are late in the game or interaction that are late in the game. Uh, so it's not entirely wrapped in, in order. Uh, but obviously for, for to, to, to wrap the game, we need to put things in order. No? To, so we need to build from day one to day, to day seven, which is the, the, the ending. Uh, everything uh, connected, no, uh, and also obviously do the do the all this QA of the of the reruns, and 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 if I have selected that um, option from the sticky note, if that is well um, stored uh, for upcoming days, because sometimes you make a decision in day one that has an effect on day five. So uh, as long as you put more, when you put more. Um, more meat no? and, and more options. Uh, eventually, the, the number of bugs uh, grow exponentially. Things <laughs> uh, <laughs> that can go wrong. Uh, so so for, for once, obviously, we need still to, to make a lot of, um, or, or still a few, a few rotoscope uh, scenes, uh, still uh, interactions as well, uh, and, and, and wrap everything together so, so the whole package uh, is uh, hassle. Um, doesn't have a, a lot of uh, seams, no, a lot of uh, cracks. Um, so yeah, testing it is, is something. Actually, one of the our uh, interns is just doing just QA, just daily QA, uh, just to to detect things that uh, are not working as expected and and reporting, so we can so we can do a, a back fixing in parallel with the with the development. Because if we leave all the QA uh, to the alpha version. Uh, it, it might be too much to to handle and to fix, so we are just addressing and fixing things on the on the go. Um, so yeah, quite 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 intense months uh, in front of us. Uh, a lot of work to do, but uh, genuinely, and I, I know this might sound like like a topic uh, or what I should say, but uh, I, I have to admit that I'm genu genuinely excited um, about the game because the, the feedback has been. Has been really good. Uh, just uh, this last issue of we have an article on Edge magazine um, you know, on, a, on a preview. So you can tell that the game stands out. Uh, it's unexpected, like you said, uh, and and it's just triggering curiosity in in, in viewers. So I, I think uh, that definitely we have a, a spot. I'm not sure, obviously, of the scope, and nobody knows if if a game is going to perform well or not. It's going to have. Um, Lots of users are not, but uh, for for me personally, when 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 we are running a studio, um, we are here for the long run, right? Well, I, I, I am not expecting to make it like a one-hit wonder and, and just move away and leave. I just want to improve from from the previous title, no? So stay uh, was uh, a good the, the end that was good for us. It was profitable. It was 
successful compared to close to non-expectations that we had at the time. Uh, but now we are um, we need to grow from from stay, no? uh, and and we want to make a, a better game. I think it's a more complex game. It's a, a game with more um, value as a product. Uh, it's more on the more sophisticated, uh, and and hopefully it should perform better than stay. And it's like a one step further, no? one step uh, up in the in the ladder and trying to improve. We will improve as well. We learn a lot with stay, and we are learning even more with this game. And hopefully the next game will be better than Frank and Drake and and, and, and that's it. No, that's our, our goal to keep sharing stories and keep building things that are uh, interesting for some people and and hopefully moving and yeah that's 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 the the, the idea, right? Yeah, sure. Um, what player feedback did you get so far? Um, or when the demo of Frank and Drake was online? Yeah, so the feedback was was really positive. Uh, I think the the Common feedback is like like you uh, pointed out as well. Uh, some puzzles that were hard to decipher. Uh, there was some issue as well with the with the funds uh, with readability. Uh, we originally wanted to make the game fully handwritten because we thought um, that um, uh, using a font um, was kind of cold or or not not so human um, when when because the sticky notes are very personal and you uh, they they talk uh, they, they tell a lot about yourself uh, and just using a font a standard font even though it's a handwritten one uh, it was kind of um, um, wrong for us however uh, truth to be told for for production reasons and 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 for uh, again uh, calendars and, and and difficulties uh, it's true that that we need to find some balance. No? Uh, what we did is that we created custom fonts based on based on, on, on of really good uh, handwritten fonts. We just adapted to naturalize them a little further, so make it uh, less um, automatic, less mechanic, uh, change the spacing randomly, change the rotation randomly, adjust little things so they can feel more um, organic. Um, but still, this needs some work. Uh, and Frank's phone and, 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 and Drake's phone uh, is defined to tell more things about the characters uh, besides themselves, just like uh, background music in Frank and background music in Drake also is telling the story or, or, or is um, putting the user in a different mood. Um, so you see two different visions of the world, two different identities. Even even the, the, the little details, like um, I, I'm not sure if you noticed, but in your in the first scene with Frank, we the camera is uh, on his back. So we, we see it walking from the back and we see people like overwhelming him. It's like a character that is not, it's like um, like hiding or like uh, shame from society. And it's like kind of um, trapped no? uh, with, the, with the, the rest of the world. No? And you, you feel bad about him. And on the other side, when Drake's uh, in Drake's interest scene, we see it from the front, he's even cocky, you know? he's kind of arrogant, he's secure. So it's kind of a different, much more relaxed. They, they, they have like opposite views and opposite uh, treats. Uh, it doesn't mean that one character is better than the other, but they are just different um, uh, in personalities. No? And, and that reflects also in the way you write. Uh, this was a challenge uh, and still is a challenge for, for our writer because uh, she needs to write with two different voices. Um, so they might they might share uh, some concerns and they might develop a relationship, but they have different uh, different voices and different 
um, levels of language and levels of complexity and, and different amount of layers when they talk. Uh, and, and, and that's a challenge, no? because uh, maybe Drake is older than it seems. No? And, and Frank uh, has a loss of memory and it's very simple in, in, in his reasons no? um, and, and his thoughts. So it, it, it's having these two different trains of thought in, 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 in both characters. Uh, and, and being able to switch. Uh, now we are talking Frank, and now we're talking Drake, and, and, and it's kind of a challenge for, for everyone. Uh, and, and in this case, for, for the font, uh, we, we know that the Drake font was uh, a little too, um, too little uh, and, and difficult to read. So that's something that we are adjusting to make it more comprehensible. And, and I think for accessibility purposes, probably, uh, if we can, what we will do in the final version of the game is just enabling a standard font, just in, in, in case the user is struggling to, to read the journals, just have a, a more standardized font. So you, you are not missing anything of the story. If you want to see like more like the real version of it uh, and you can read, uh, then OK, you can switch back to the uh, or you have like a like a small pop up with the um, with, with an accessibility option. But eventually you can see the, the real one. Yeah, that's what most games actually do, I think, to make it more readable. It's just overlaying the, the actual font. Exactly. Another game you're currently working on is uh, Terracotta, uh, a pixel adventure. Um, release late 2022, um, as you told me. What is that about? Well, this is a game that started like... Uh I think uh, almost three years ago um, with um, a project that we presented to a um, Spanish uh, government grant um, but where we just had the like the idea and a bit of the design and the concept uh, and eventually we, we got that, that grant so we, we started working on it and it's, and it's inspired by the 8,000 um, warriors uh, mausoleum uh, in Xi'an. The, the mausoleum that the emperor, the founder of China, the first emperor, built uh, to protect him in the afterlife forever. Uh, and I kind of rem I, I reminded, um, I, I remember, I think, um, this, this um, wonder of the world, but uh, it was again our writer that she told us, you know, it's this uh, quite a, she was like, like digging no? and searching for, for premises for, for this uh, grant, no? for a project, and, and making, looking for interesting topics. Uh, and she started digging in the wonders of the world and say, it's strange that this is amazing. This has uh, 8,000 warriors, that are, they are all different. Um, most of the mausoleum is still underground uh, and they cannot um, dig uh, further because there's a lot of traps. Uh, they, they, they say that they have, um, the, the emperor uh, buried himself with mercury rivers around. They are super toxic. They cannot I see what this so there's a lot of room for for like myth no and 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 and, and stories no uh and, and and we thought it was very compelling and automatically we think well we can we can make a game out of this because we have this huge army um and we have the the chinese principles the the taoist religion we have uh the history of china uh, itself no uh, it's the, the foundation of china this this guy was um, quite crazy, you know. He did a lot of things. He unified China. He unified the language. But then he was like, um, like a super bad character, and and buried many many people with him because uh, wanted more protection. No, he was obsessed with immortality. So, lots of different elements that um, we thought they were interesting enough to 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 think about uh, making a game about it. And eventually, it, it become it become terracotta, and the project has grown. Uh, 
allowed and has um, uh, defined itself. But uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a project with many many challenges, and it's more based in in um, in gameplay than in narrative. Although it has a, a, a narrative as well, because we are like kind of um, unleashing. We, we treat each warrior like is cursed to remain underground. Uh, it's a soul that it's um, again doomed to be there uh, forever. Uh, and what we do uh, as a player is just uh, enabling uh, their freedom. Uh, and it's a game based again in, in, in Taoist principles and the action of inaction. So we don't have a weapon in our hands. We don't want to uh, battle against the army. We just want to release the army. We want to um, set them free. No? And that's what, where the puzzle element comes to place. And it's um, a non-combative adventure, let's say. Um, so we have the, all the Chinese lore. We have all the 8,000 warriors uh, and, and, and we have this um, way to navigate through through the through the dungeons, no, through the different levels that also talk about different aspects of Chinese history. So it's a, a project that has been complex because we didn't want to be uh, accused of cultural appropriation. Obviously, this is a very important subject in China. It's one of their roots, no. It's the founder of China. You know that um, Chinese market is very um, reluctant to foreigners talking about them and there are many many rules that you cannot do if you want to release officially a game in china so we very early on we start um talking to a to advisor a, a professor that works at the mausoleum and we checked um that everything we portray in the game is uh accurate accurate historically uh and also uh loyal and not offensive to the basic principles uh, and values of, of Chinese people, no? um, and hopefully we are we are doing that. But it's quite a challenge. Obviously, the the, the language barrier always is difficult when you talk to, to to people there because not many of them talk English, and 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 it's been a process, but um, it's coming along nicely. It's obviously a very very different game than than Frank and Drake, uh, but again we have this um, strong. Um, vision of trying to make things that are kind of different. And again, it started with the, with the premise, it started with Terracotta Warriors, and then we tried to build the game around it. Uh, and, and that's why there are like, when we need to decide if, if a new mechanic, uh, if we need to implement a new mechanic or if we need to implement this, uh, the first thing that we check is that, does this fit with the premise? Does it fit with the culture? Does it fit with the rest of the foundation of the project? Uh, and if it doesn't, it doesn't make it into the game, even though it was like the uh, maybe the typical solution, no, or the or the convention that other games would do. Uh, uh, we we uh, we uh, we filter everything through the uh, through the core, no, the foundation of the game uh, from a, from a narrative or from a from a storytelling perspective. I've read that you're also a fan of pixel games, so your very first game, which came out uh, 2018, right, was Stay, and. Um, now Terracotta, also pixel adventure, but uh, Frank and Drake is, um, as you said, something completely different. Um, why is that? Why the change? Well, really good question. Um, and I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, I'm a, a, a <laughs> pixel... I like pixel art. I've been, I've been I, I guess, because I, I grew up playing uh, my my brother Spectrum and, and playing Super Nintendo and and just have a natural uh, attraction to pixel art. Uh, and I was doing pixel art in my 20s, even though when the, the most 
common visuals at the time were more 3D because I'm I'm quite old already. Um, so pixel art has had like a renaissance, no, uh, last ten years with indie titles. Uh, but I was doing pixel art before, and and I I have the one one fun story is that I have the the privilege of being the first. Uh, I think the, the first pixel art uh, teacher in a university here in Barcelona. I've, I've been teaching pixel art for for quite a number of years already. And, okay, um, cool. Yeah, and and, <laughs> uh, and so my my natural instinct would be uh, doing pixel art. However, um, running a studio when we were the two of us, obviously I was the art guy, you no, know, like my signature, and my my partner was the code guy, you no. Know? But when we have more people into the mix, yeah, you bring new talent and. And you start, uh, and sometimes this is bad, sometimes this is good, I don't know, but you start doing more uh, studio things. Now you start thinking about the business, about the, the relationships, about the PR, about handling a group of people, and you are uh, detaching gradually from doing the art yourself, right? Um, because you have other things to, to handle, uh, which is not a bad thing, but it's, it's rea a reality, no? Um, and, and, and for Terracotta, uh, it was it was um, good to keep the pixel art, but for Frank and Jake, I, I thought that sometimes it's a bit riskier because it happened to me personally with, when when I was freelancing before making the creating the company, and everyone saw me as a pixel artist, and I I could do more things. Like I I wanted to do uh, graphic design and 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 another two D animation, other stuff, but I was just stacked as a pixel guy. Uh, for the bad and, and for the good and the bad, and I was worried about uh, our studio being too oriented to pixel art and trying to force things uh, into pixel art, right? Uh, and as, as we were discussing, Frank and Jake was a very specific uh, story uh, where I instantly thought that the rotoscoping could uh, be something cool. Uh, I wasn't sure it was possible to do it, uh, and, and still some days uh, I, I regret myself. Oh, this is too hard. This is too slow. Um, but uh, I think we try like for a few days to how if we make this in pixel art, and it was kind of unnatural. It, 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 it wasn't uh, it wasn't a fit, and 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 we decided that okay, if we want to expand, and, and probably our next games, uh, I was I'm hoping to make them in 3D, for instance. Um, probably, um, maybe, maybe not with a um, full uh, free camera. Uh, maybe it's a, a fixed camera, like 2D. But internally, I, I would like to make them in 3D because it gives you more um, options, creatively speaking. And you can move the camera and you can uh, zoom out a, a lot, no? and, and, and make more atmospheric um, shot if you need. And um, just having more tools to to, to tell a story. Um, so uh, I think it's it's good for a studio just to to be able to use the best possible aesthetics for each game. And if it's pixel art, it's good. Uh, and if it's if it needs to be two D, it's good. And if it needs to be three D, it, it's good. And, and and I would like to have that that freedom, no, and not being really tight to to pixel art aside from from our own will and from what the game needs. Uh, I like to think that the game uh, at the end uh, decides, uh, makes decision for you no? and, and finds you. Uh, so I think then uh, in the creative process, um, each game speaks and, and, and it speaks the visuals that um, you need to, to arrange no? for, for the game to shine. Definitely, it needs to fit, yeah. And um, also, it's not bad to have experience in different variations um, as well. So, yeah, pretty cool. 
Uh, how is it working on two games at the same time? It's a nightmare. <laughs> it's the shortest <laughs> answer I can, <laughs> I can tell. I could, I could uh, fly around the answer, but uh, it's very difficult. Um, it's very difficult. Um, we try to, and I think we, we, we have, uh, we, we, we are succeeding uh, most of the time on this. We try to have separate teams. So if you are working on Frank and Dick, if you are working on Frank and Dick or in Terracotta, you have, um, you are more dedicated, so you don't lose your focus. Uh, but uh, for 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 Danny and for myself, for the, my business co-founder. Uh, and myself, we we need to swing back and forth between between games, obviously, because we need to take care of of everything, no. And that's one of the reasons we are uh, sometimes less uh, hands-on with specific uh, problems, uh, but because we are swinging back and forth between games, and we're trying to provide the high-level um, perspective and and guidance for the professionals working on on, on each side, no. Uh, and I think it's our responsibility as as uh, as uh, leaders of the studio to to have the extra effort uh, and, and being able to switch our minds um, efficiently to jump from one game to another uh, and, and just um, being able to put everyone in the best possible situation so they can excel uh, and they can like bring their A game and, 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 and grow. We usually, because we don't have a lot of resources and, and, and super high budgets, um, we usually work with very young people. Um, we, we cannot afford having seniors, no? <laughs> senior programmers and senior artists here and there. Uh, we, we used to work with, with very young talent uh, and, and it's great to see their, their evolution no? and, uh, and their progress. Uh, for instance, the, the lead artist in, in Frank and Drake, uh, she was doing uh, in uh, an internship with us for six months, then uh, we were super happy with her work, and and and, and it was like a like an artist, uh, and and that was like I think uh, almost three years ago, no, or two and a half years ago. So the when you see uh, her first works and you see her works today, you can see the evolution. No, and sometimes she goes back and, oh, I need to redo this old uh, location that we did two years ago because uh, now I am better than this and, and, and I work. Uh, and, and she feels bad no, about stuff that she did like uh, many, many months ago. And, and I think it's, it's great to see that evolution. And, and, and I know mo most of, of them will eventually leave uh, probably um, at some point because they have higher hopes uh, and, and, and that's fine. That's part of the, of the process. And if we have helped them to improve and to learn and to grow and to find like a super top work one day. Uh, I will I will celebrate that uh, and yeah, that's that's how it works. I mean, when when you're young, you also want to make more experiences and look into different companies and do different jobs and maybe move around. Um, exactly. I don't know, move around in Spain or go to another country and stuff like that. That's that's normal, I think. Yeah, the, the, the one thing that we can um, provide them uh, is that they have a lot of responsibility. I mean, they are not in the queue. And sometimes when you are a company of 30, 40 people or bigger, um, you know your work won't be in the game. No, In our case, every single person that's working in the game knows that uh, their work uh, is going to be uh, in the front page. <laughs> it's going to be in the game. Uh, every single one, we need, we need all hands. Uh, so that's one thing that sometimes we compensate uh, probably, uh, well, for sure, uh, a lower payroll, no? uh, with more visibility, with more experience, with more portfolio for you, because 
you you really matter in this studio because we 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 have lots of things to do and not many people. Um, so yeah, that's that's how we how we operate. And I think I'm I'm happy. And I think uh, obviously I can speak for for themselves. No, but I think everyone uh, has its own space to to shine and to and to grow. Uh, and and uh, I hope they 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 feel the same. Because you said that uh, working on two games is a nightmare. Uh, why are you working on two games? Why this decision? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's it's um, again, it's it's because um, so what happened with 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 our previous titles and and, and well, with with stay and and we have seen in many many colleagues and and fellow studios is that you put all your efforts in making this game perfect. Uh, your game is your baby, and then you launch it. And the amount of factors that need to be in the right place so the game succeeds, um, they are not in your control. Um, you cannot control this um, chain reaction that needs to, to happen uh, so the game is successful. Um, statistically speaking, probably your game is going to fail uh, or you're going to sell less than you expected and maybe you will struggle to get the funding for the next game. So that's statistically what's going to happen. Uh, so that's why uh, at some point we decided, okay, we have this cool premise. We have uh, Terracotta is on its own pace now, uh, but we have this cool premise. We have uh, the story. We have one artist. Why don't we start doing this project and we can have two shots instead of one? Uh, it's going to bring some uh, out of, we, we will lose focus. Uh, we know that it will bring some difficulties. But in the long term, uh, if we can pull this and we can launch one game and shortly after launch the other one, uh, we will have two different impacts. We will have uh, hopefully two different publishing deals. We will have different revenue streams and we will compensate a little bit because what typically happens is that when you work so hard in a game, hopefully you, you get a, a publishing deal with that provides some, some minimum guarantee or something before launch and then you launch. And then if the game is not super successful, you it, it will take some time for you to start getting royalties because the publisher is going to recoup what they advance you uh, and you will be probably uh, dried for, 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 for months, no? uh, if not a year. Uh, and then what happens if you just had one game and then you launch it and it's not going to be a super hit, which is likely the case. No? You will not have enough room to sustain your team and to sustain the next development. And, and we wanted to... Uh, minimize that as much as possible. Now we want to keep uh, the team as much as possible and to be able to start working uh, on the on the next game as soon as possible. No, on the pre-production of the next game, um, like seamlessly. No, so that's why we decided uh, to to jump into two ventures. It, it has lots of challenges and um, it has a, a, a toll uh, and and it's not easy. Uh, but I think. Uh, And, and having experienced uh, what happens after you launch and, and having seen other studios uh, closing because their baby, no, um, that was perfect and that they dedicated so much effort to that uh, didn't work enough for them to survive. Uh, for me personally, the, 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 the first goal running a studio is just to survive more time, is just to be able to keep the company afloat. Uh, and sometimes that even matters that we do, we don't do that very actively, but eventually when the opportunity is good because it's not a lot of effort and it's a uh, good money, we do work for hire sometimes uh, when when the calendar allows us to. Sometimes we do just things that are good for, for, for monetary reasons 
to bring more security to the to the studio and to have uh, uh, extra revenue streams uh, that that are needed. No, and they say that the, 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 having a company is like having a baby that you need to feed. No, and and just working on one game for two three years and then waiting for the launch until what happens is not very sustainable way to feed your company because it, it, it's likely going to uh, to run out of food very very quickly uh, and and that's why it's not ideal hopefully I, I wish I could have like a lot of money in the bank just to work on one game but what happens is just that you need to like multiply a little bit yourself um, just to handle handle the storm no? especially with the pandemic and, and all the things that happened and it was it was quite quite a, a process that's an interesting idea actually yeah I hope it works I hope that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> How was your studio founded, actually? Um, like you told me before, officially you were founded uh, 2016, right? Yes. Uh, so what what happened is that we, before creating the company, we joined um, an incubator slash accelerator program in Barcelona called Game BCN. It was the second edition when we joined. Um, and we uh, spent, like, I think it was six months of mentoring and uh, the idea of stay, it was very raw at the beginning and we, we refined it. And, and at the end of the program, uh, there were a few, uh, winners. Uh, I think it, we, we were eight studios incubated and then three studios, um, received acceleration funds at the end. And we were one of them. Those acceleration funds were like, uh, uh, different loans, um, by one from the bank, one from the uh, Catalan government uh with good terms so you could like develop your game and and bring it to market uh and and create your company now one of the requirements was creating your company so that's why and when we created the company after that program uh and and the first um funding uh uh the first funds were, were, were those loans no and from there um the the different things uh happened we did some some work for hire, as I mentioned. We also um, were able to secure uh, a couple of deals with with Stay, like uh, uh, in 2017, like prior to to the launch, with with a publisher for PC and consoles and a publisher for mobile. Those deals provided some some upfront, some minimum guarantee that it was still uh, small, but helped us to uh, to to complete games. And, uh, and and different 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 uh, things like that, like minor um, um, jobs that we that we did, and uh, until the point where we um, have this this Spanish government grant um, for Terracotta uh, that also provided uh, funding for Terracotta uh, and the royalties from Stay actually so the, the 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 royalties generated from from Stay over over months. Um, sustain the development of Frank and Drake and, and keep us afloat uh, until we were able to, uh, like a few months ago, uh, secure these deals with, with publishers for Terracotta and for, and for Frank and Drake. So it's kind of a little of, a little of everything uh, just to keep your company, your company afloat. We, we uh, had a, a rough patch in, during the pandemic, um, mostly because it was harder without traveling to events. Uh, it was harder to get publishers' attention so what, what happened is that typically you you would assume that not having to travel to Gamescom or not having to travel to Taipei Game Show it was good because you were um, save some money and and have the meetings online equally uh, because we have lots of meetings online 
But uh, to me, what, what happened is that when you have face-to-face -face meetings, uh, the whole event becomes a filter, right? So uh, this publisher in Gamescom is having a number of meetings these days, and it's likely they will assign the games based on those meetings, which are condensed. Uh, and, and, and the conversation that you have face-to-face -face is very important and how you can um, do the pitch, you know, the elevator pitch of your game and everything is very important. The, the, the events that you go after the show, uh, all the personal touch was very important. And having those meetings online, these publishers have a lot of, have way more pitches <laughs> from, from uh, all over the world and from people that uh, maybe couldn't afford traveling to Gamescom uh, in previous years. So the, the amount of content and information um, uh, that they need to filter, the publishers, before signing a game, uh, it was a lot, a lot more than than when the physical events were taking place. Um, so everything was delayed uh, because I, I understand from the publisher perspective, I have 500 pitches to navigate through instead of the the top 30 pitches that I had during Gamescom. It, it's it's a lot different, um, and and obviously the the climate was very insecure uh, in the economy. Uh, so. Uh, it, it, it wasn't easy last year to to land a deal. Uh, uh, so everything uh, in, in 2020 was uh, difficult for us. We had to make some cuts in the team. We had to readjust. Uh, we have some extra help from, from the Catalan uh, government because they, they, they opened a um, special line for um, companies um, like uh, suffering not the effects of the pandemic uh, in creative fields. So uh, we have some help as well. So they have been very supportive. Is that some funding for um, game developers or something or? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, something like that. It's like, um, it's got different lines, uh, different products that uh, actually they are loans. I mean, you need to return them, but the, the terms usually are very, uh, for instance, it may be a loan, but you will start paying one year after after that and, and and it's like distributed in multiple years so uh, it should be if your game uh if you finish your game and and it's reasonably it does reasonably well you should be able to return the loan uh, in the, in those terms no so it's very um, uh mild no or or, or uh, the, the terms are, are are good enough and then sometimes you need to just uh, do the loans because uh, they are better than than a bank loan and just Again, it keeps you afloat and it keeps you uh, working and maybe reaching the point where you have a better demo and you can land a deal with a publisher. No? Uh, so that's kind of, you need to, uh, just to need to gain some time sometimes. It's just, I, I need more time to get to that milestone uh, and then it will, everything will be easier from there. No? Uh, so, so yeah, a little bit of everything, you know, pulling all the, all the strings needed to, you know, it's really tough, but uh, yeah. It work. Your studio is called App Normals Team. Uh, is that because before you were officially founded in 2016, you made some mobile games? Yeah, it, it's something that is kind of, um, uh, uh, I wouldn't say a burden, uh, but it's something that is on top of our, of our shoulders uh, because we were doing apps at the beginning. Uh, and then we have, every, I think every single year we had a discussion and we do some brainstorming and we do some uh, renaming and some ideas, but then we cut up and work and projects and stuff. And okay, next, next uh, in three months, we will, uh, <laughs> we will think again about the rebranding and about our, because we have a, a huge list of, of potential studio names and we, we buy domains sometimes and then domains expire because we, 
<laughs> we didn't change the, the studio name for and then but it's something that we wanted to to do because uh we want to be even the word games not apps for for sure but even games uh we would like a, a name that is a bit more broad and and because we don't know in two three or five years if we are still operating the type of stuff that we will do maybe we'll do i don't know uh interactive storytelling in tv or anything whatever comes no next uh so the word games i would like a word that is as, as abstract as possible uh and and as long as it involves a, a creative production uh of some sort uh that will be good already got some ideas yeah yeah we had uh we had ideas that we discarded we had new ideas that still need to be evaluated we always have ideas about how to change the name in the meantime we keep the same name uh but i'm hoping one day we will hopefully sooner than later we will it will change <laughs> You've got some examples. Like, what did you? What names did come up? <laughs> uh, I, I would rather not disclose that. I mean, well, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because you know, so maybe maybe we will we will we will bring those ideas back, and maybe it will be the, the good ideas. Uh, but yeah, all sorts of ideas. Yeah, true, true. Somebody will steal it. Yeah. <laughs> all sorts of of ideas. We're looking for a, for a name that is um, again something that has some sort of meaning or or um, connection with what we do without saying explicitly games or anything related to games. I mean, the game is not going to be a uh, double combo or uh, double jump or game over or something that's totally connected to games. Uh, it's going to be a, a name that is more more, more abstract. <laughs> okay, okay, I see. Um, I also read about you that you have a deep-rooted passion for mobile games. Um, that's probably why you uh, made mobile games in, in the beginning. Um, why is that? What's, uh, what do you like about mobile games? Well, to, to be fairly tr true, uh, um, I, I, I used to play a lot more than, than, than I do play nowadays. No? Um, so I, what I don't like is like the... Um, the stigma that uh, sometimes is attached to mobile games as they are not um, worth talking about. No? And obviously, the, the latest years have converted mobile games in a numbers-driven science. Um, and, and that's bad because you are not um, looking for the experience and you're looking for, for numbers and just to retain users more time with, with just uh, cheap shots no? or cheap tricks. Uh, however, I don't like um, to be as arrogant as think that all games should be like this, no? or that indie games are better than these games. Because for many, many, many people in the world, um, free-to-play games ha have uh, been um, their first access to games. Uh, there's uh, many, many people in the world that can afford to pay uh, 20 bucks for an indie game, uh, it, but they need some fun in their lives, maybe because they have lots of other problems. no? So. Um, uh, to be sometimes in, in, in discussions within the uh, colleagues uh, and, and, and tag mobile games as, as, as crap, no? Because they don't fulfill what a game should be. I mean, what I'm against is uh, a, a game needs to be this, no? A game is, is in an experience and, and if it's valid for, for there's lots of different peoples in the world, lots of different needs, lots of different situations. Uh, and and I, I don't see a problem uh, in, in someone especially in, in, in countries that have less resources and where um, free-to-play um, industries excel. Uh, I, I'm completely fine with that because uh, those users also need uh, some fun, right? Uh, and, and, and it's 
it's a good uh, a good approach where everyone everyone wins in this case no uh although i know this is structure and there's like this billions and billions earned every day and, and it's and it's crazy no um and and but, but but what i what i like most about mobile games at the beginning was um was just the uh, the the touch screen uh i know that then the, the switch and other and other elements and other devices have the same options no? but back then just having the way to interact differently with the screen and with the game uh, and swiping instead of just pushing buttons, uh, it was something really interesting to me. Uh, and, and from there, it, it's, uh, it has been maybe not as um, innovative or, or maybe I was expecting more um, new features like being more massive. Uh, I remember some things like the face recognition and some minor games doing stuff with your voice and. Uh, and I understand that uh, it needs to be, um, this is more like a gimmick uh, than a real tool to make uh, a, a game, like the, the, the face recognition is just a gimmick. Um, but just purely the touching the screen, uh, I think it's super interesting. I think they are incredibly uh, brilliant mobile games. Um, like for, for ones who could say, Mano and Valley no? was like the first one that um, I was asked, it was like, this is another level and it's a mobile game or the games that this studio from Barcelona called Alike, uh, they do, they do mobile games first uh, and they are brilliant and and I hate when their work is diminished because it's a mobile game uh, and a mobile game can be way, way, way better than a PC game or than a console game if that's done with care and with uh, passion no? and love. Um, so yeah, it's, it's um, maybe to to make not to say that uh, that games I, I like mobile games I like good mobile games probably uh, as I like good PC games or good console games uh, but I don't like what I don't like is that um, thinking that mobile games are just inferior no or less relevant than other games than other devices uh, it's just another platform yeah that's probably that uh, free to play thing uh, which still yeah is criticized uh, all over. That's why they're probably not um, on the same level as console or PC games um, yet in the minds of people. Yeah. Um, why aren't you making mobile games anymore? Yeah, it, it, that's another question. It's because, especially because this um, this vicious circle where everything is numbers driven, is very difficult to make uh, a mobile game as an indie developer. I mean, it's uh, a lot easier to make a profitable game for PC and consoles than than, than for mobile. Um, you launch a, a premium mobile game, and if it's really successful, uh, which can be if it's brilliant, but if it's just an average good game, uh, it's gonna it's not gonna be super successful because it's a lot of there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of free to play options, and 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 it will be impossible for you to make a return uh instead on pc and on on switch for instance you have more options uh that have a, a viable product and a decent return um so if you are big what happens is that the industry in mobile has tilted over big companies and big bucks no and and, and making all these techniques to keep your users engaged and, and how you keep your users engaged uh in a 28 day retention because you have lots and lots and tons of content right uh that's the only way you can keep your users engaged if you make a very small experience that lasts for two hours uh and you pay five euros for it um you you are targeting like a super niche no in mobile industry uh compared to the millions and millions that uh the free to play so that's why it's just easier for an indie developer just to 
move towards uh, PC and, and consoles, at least for now. Uh, it was like the, the smart move and, and I'm happy we did it because in mobile, probably we, 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 we have failed, uh, definitely. The Abnormals team sits in Spain. Um, what is the gaming industry like in Spain? Well, I think it's, it's, really, it's really good. Uh, we have seen lots of examples uh, um, since I think the last probably five or ten years uh, with really successful games. And, and, and we see um, successful days that sometimes we didn't even know that this game was Spanish and then we realized, oh, these guys are from Barcelona, these guys are from Madrid. And, and yeah, I mean, it, sometimes you're talking about the game and then you realize that it's a, it's a Spanish studio afterwards. Uh, so I think there's a lot of, we don't have many uh, AAA studios, maybe we have one or two, uh, but we have lots and lots of medium companies, like companies from 30, 40 people. Uh, there are a few, like, like, uh, delivering like not triple A, but maybe double A or, or triple I, I don't know how to say it, but um, good, good quality games. And then we have lots and lots of indies. Uh, and some of them also uh, have launched really successful titles. So I think it's a great ecosystem to, to, to work. Uh, and we have um, support from, from institutions, um, not as much as, as you always want more, right? But uh, I think we can't complain compared to other places in the world. Uh, so we have different different uh, institutions that support um, uh, our, our creations. And we have um, the salaries are not as big and, uh, as in other markets, no, like United States or, or, or Germany probably, no? We have uh, uh, better um, salary rates and, and it's relatively easy to hire good talent uh, and, and sustain a company. Taxes are always bad, <laughs> like I think like in every country in Europe. But uh, in general, I think we can we can complain and, and it's not easy. When, when we had um, the physical presence, I think it was even easier to bring people here because many, many um, professionals were uh, trying to get a job in Barcelona because we have um, bigger companies, not like like King and Social Point and all these big companies um, drive a lot of talent towards the city. And then um, not every, every single people is, is being hired for these companies. No, and you have lots of people like uh, looking for a job in, in the city, and, and you have the weather, and you have a good like environment. Uh, right now, it's a bit different with the remote work, uh, but still, I think it's um, I think it's a good tack when you say to someone, uh, we are in Barcelona, they automatically uh, make connections and think about other um, games made in Spain or, or in Barcelona that they know. Uh, and, and we have seen this over and over with, with meeting people in events. And, and this um, tag associated to, to our, your studio uh, definitely adds value. And, and, and when you are uh, operating for a few years and you can validate that your work uh, has some traction and, and you're doing reasonably well, uh, it, it helps. So I think we are, we are good. We have, in the past, we, we had opened no, the option to move to another location if the terms were, were good. But at the moment with the, we, because we are all working remotely at the moment and, and I, I think it will remain uh, the same for, for a while. Uh, so we are, we are happy being officially like, based in Barcelona. And, and obviously we, we hire people from everywhere nowadays, uh, but the core team, we are in, here in Barcelona and we are, we are happy with that. As an indie dev, is there still something you wish for or are you more or less satisfied? Yeah, in which sense? 
just anything. Just um, either you being in Barcelona or is there something you, I don't know, something you need? Yeah, I think I think um, from a company perspective, uh, yeah, just um, having better, um, you know, the, the governments are always like the toughest part, like the taxes and, and, and sometimes make things um, hard. I don't know exactly why, but uh, just running... Uh, Being a freelancer or running your company, it's 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 kind of difficult in some parts in Europe, uh, and and Spain is a, is one of the cases. So um, I would like a bit more flexibility. Um, uh, I would say uh, in terms of your taxes in Spain, you need to pay your taxes, um, even though you are generating zero uh, income. You need to have to pay regardless. Uh, so things that don't make much sense uh, when you say them out loud is like, but why am I going to pay taxes for if I generated zero business this month? Um, it's kind of weird, no? Uh, and and it's it's kind of a monster. It's difficult to change laws. It's difficult to change all that stuff. Uh, it reaches a point where you just assume that you're going to be um, in that position and you need to find more sources of income and 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 just accept the low payroll for instance no and and we have accepted for many many months green development to as a, as founders to maybe um not having a payroll uh because we couldn't afford paying ourselves and paying the team and we obviously always uh pick the team first no um so that's this kind of from from an official uh point of view it's sometimes is 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 difficult as an indie in general aside from the government and aside from the things Uh, I think I think we are in a really good situation. Actually, I think we the, there's more um, attraction and more um, interest towards indie games. And I see like your podcast, no? There's um, many many uh, websites and, and and just users that are driven into indie games. Uh, I guess they have had enough of the same formula over and over again, no? In in AAA games, and you have the same <laughs> the same game. <laughs> Yeah, from yeah, definitely. I'm I'm also someone. It's so everything is so not everything, but uh, most AAA games are so generic, and uh, it's like the same over all over again. Like I know this already. I've played this like a year ago. Times. So, um, yeah, yeah, and I'm. That's also why I love indie games so much because they're creative. There's something different. Um, also Frank and Drake from the art style and the gameplay and. It's finally something new, and that's something I, yeah, I wish for and I hope for, um, and uh, I think many others as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I guess that when you invest a lot of money, you know, and you do a AAA game, you want to secure return as much as possible. So you, instead of thinking new ways to do this, you find your safe ways to do it. Uh, you try to create as less friction as possible with the audience, no? Uh, so you are not attempting anything. You are trying to minimize uh, the possible mistakes, no? And, and and that what happens with that is that eventually all games are pretty similar. It's with a different dress, with a different no uh, theme, or but they are all the same. Uh, and and I and don't get me wrong, I I've played and I still play AAA games because they are a wonder to watch, no? And I play Ghost of Tsushima. But when I face a mountain with cliffs and I need to climb and I need to jump from cliff to cliff, and I've seen that sequence like in 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 in, in hundreds of games, right? And when 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 I did that in Uncharted the first time, it was oh I can climb a wall. And when you climb in every single game, 
your lies. All games are equal. <laughs> we are, yeah, exactly. No yeah. matter what, we're going to climb at some point. <laughs> or especially sci-fi shooters. It's like uh, Destiny all over again. And <laughs> why? Yeah. Oh, man. So that's a good way in this, now that we need to create formulas to make things different. Is there something you want to tell indie developers? You've got any advice for them? I'm no one to to uh, to give advice to to other developers. I'm I'm learning every day. Uh, I'm an intruder by by all means. No, in this industry, I didn't study video games. I study uh, advertising. I was a multidisciplinary designer for many years, and eventually, I ended up in the video games industry. But I, I I'm not as confident as to give advice to anyone. I would say. Uh, I would just say this: there's not a single way to do things. Again, um, there's not a, the right way to make a game. Um, as long as you make it from your heart and 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 it speaks to you, it can speak to other people. Uh, and I think uh, that the user can tell when when things are um, um, mean something to you as a developer. And and just be honest and and again accept your the the, the things that are wrong in your game. That doesn't. Everything doesn't need to be perfect, no? Or everything doesn't need to be a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10. And it's it's something that's uh, unfair, I think, because when you have a game, it's a 7. It's just yellow. It's just on the edge of being bad. And it's a 7 out of 10. Uh, and just uh, the misconception that everything needs to be exceptional. So it's worth your time. Uh, and, and sometimes the, the games that are 7s are can be a 10 for you. Um, they're just a 7 in overall um, compared to others, no? And... Yeah, just not being afraid of, of having sevens in your life. It's just um, obviously everyone, we all want to have nines and tens no? and, and, and overwhelmingly positive reviews. But sometimes you, you just um, that was your product and, and it meant something to you. And that's just a, su a success no? in its own. And you don't need to receive the applause for everyone else. Uh, and that sometimes is hard because you are depending on sales and depending on feed and reviews no? on Steam. And you depend on lots of things to make the next project. So it, you become like trapped <laughs> to make uh, everyone like your game. Otherwise, I'm going to close my studio. No? And, and being able to navigate that, I think it's important. Yeah. And I think a seven is great. <laughs> exactly. Seven out of right. ten. It's, so, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. At some point, we, lo we, we lost the, the perception no? of, of what's a seven out of ten. And it sometimes it seems like a two out of ten. Uh, it's like, or a six. No? I don't know. So you've been in the games industry for quite a while, I would say. Yeah, I mean, all things considered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what moment in your life in the games industry will you always remember? I guess, I guess my going to events is the most like um, the strongest memory that I can have, uh, and it has been a, like a like a blessing, not that being able to to travel. My first Gamescom, being able to go to Asia. I remember in 2017, uh, I was able to travel to Tokyo twice with Stay, uh, and, and I, I um, didn't travel to any part of Asia before that. Uh, and it was like in the same year, I have been twice here, uh, and and especially doing this with um, uh, with my with my, my my girlfriend because my girlfriend is the is the writer of, of the studio, so being able to to share this with one my my partner is my friend from 20 years ago, uh, and the writer is also my girlfriend, so it was like very um, personal for us and, and very rewarding that the people that you love the people you have spent decades with. Uh, uh, you are able to do something professionally 
and, and, and getting recognized because, for instance, when we went to Taipei, we, we received an award uh, and, uh, and that is, it was uh, yeah, good memories, I think, for, 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 for your entire life. You are working, as we said, on two games, Frank and Drake and uh, at um, Terracotta. And uh, so to sum up, how do you currently feel about both games? I mean, I, I, I love them, obviously. <laughs> I, I, I know they are not perfect, uh, again, but I think they, they provide uh, something different. Uh, they are very ambitious, um, Frank and Drake, because of their rotoscoping, about the narrative, Terracotta, because um, it has Uh, or it will it will have uh, these 8,000 warriors uh, that are different. So every single enemy in the game is different. Uh, it, just like the mausoleum, that they look similar, but they are different. So procedurally generating the enemies without the pixel art animations, handling different gameplay um, aspects. Uh, it's ambitious and, and it's a huge leap uh, in, in, in product quality from, from Stay. Uh, so I think it's very challenging for a studio, but uh, I think if we can Uh, accomplish our, our calendars and, and launch both games, it will be a huge, huge success for us, regardless of the sales and regardless of the reviews and anything. Uh, I will feel good because we um, we would have been able to, to survive uh, very difficult times and and and, and grow no? and, and expand our team and, and make uh, better better projects. No? So yeah, I mean, I, I there's a lot of stuff to do and, and Lots of stress and lots of night, sleepless night. Uh, but I think it will be it will be worth it, and and I'm hoping that we can uh, we can put ourselves in the best situation for 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 the future and and to keep learning actually because everything is about learning and and discovering the things that you like and and, and being able to to craft no uh, our our vision and to find interesting things to to share with with the users. Yeah, my boss once said uh, you're very ambitious, but I think he meant it a little bit in a bad way because I wanted too much. But um, I think you're ambitious and I mean it in a good way. So I think you're doing the right thing and it sounds great, um, the projects you're doing. And I wish you all the best for it. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we can have a... Uh, a post-mortem no? or a second interview when, once we launch the game. Yes. <laughs> And we can <laughs> that celebrate. That would be great, yes. <laughs> Especially, yeah, yeah we do that. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> that so, Nyaki, yeah, thanks so much for taking the time and being here at Open Indie. No, no, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, keep it up. Uh, keep talking about indies because we need <laughs> we need your help. Uh, so it's it's amazing the work that you do. And yeah, thanks again. And see you soon.